welcome to Malifaux Port Authority. Episode 7, The Wholesome One. Welcome back to the Malifaux Port Authority. <laughs> I was like, stop, and I was like, I didn't do it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's <laughs> Unfortunately, she can't use that uh, defense because her sister's in bed. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. We're on episode whatever of the Malifaux Port Authority. I don't remember. Okay, and we're I'll- kind of... Hmm? I'll go do the math. You don't have to do the math. It doesn't matter. Okay, go do the math. Do the math. Math guy. We're doing kind of a part two of the wholesome episode, but we took like a three-month break in between. So, Boy, did things get very not wholesome (laughs) in those three months. (laughs) Didn't they ever? Oh, man. I'm not sorry. It's not even you. you no, it, it's B needs to apologize to <laughs> everyone. It was it was B and Mike. B and Mike were causing the problems as per usual. They identify as problems, <laughs> both of them full time. This would be episode seven if we're counting it as okay. separate from the pedisode. The pedisode? Oh, 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 oh. Oh. That sounds like it's all about feet. Oh, oh, no, it's not. It's a wholesome oh. episode. I thought, okay, so there's a T. I heard a, I heard a D. I heard Ped-isode, and that's why I was yeah, so did for a I. moment. Doug, Doug did kind of say it with a soft T, which did sound like Pedisode. Like, yeah, and I'm sitting here like, oh, God. Oh, God, we no, did an we entire episode? Pet. A- pet. <laughs> I'm sitting here like I don't crisp, remember crisp that enunciate that P. <laughs> One of the few times Midwest a- accent is actually a problem. So there's there's not a whole Levi episode that I'm forgetting about. All right. Oh. Um ah pedosode. Oh. Oh. I, see, I managed to hit the microphone. What are we just talking about me not hitting the microphone? It's inevitable. I managed to hit it. With my with my head. <laughs> Good job. It's a, it's okay when I use the big podcast mic. This one, I am constantly hitting it with my headphones. Anyway, dear listeners, you probably have only heard four voices tonight. That's because Jeff, unfortunately, isn't joining us again. Um, for now, just for this episode, he's not like gone forever. Um, despite all of our as, attempts, as far as we know. So we'll go through introductions minus Jeff. I am your host, Victoria, again. Hi. Then right below me on my screen is Monica. Hey, I'm Monica. You have heard me before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to say and... other things? <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> it just sounds very ominous. Vag- vaguely threatening. Vaguely no, threatening. Yeah. It's vaguely yeah, threatening yeah, it's if sure. people have been, if this is like their first episode this of Same Power Scouts. This is first time tuning in, and I'm just like, <laughs> No, you have heard me before. Like, I promise. Not like, but you have. <laughs> and then to Monica's right, <laughs> to Monica's right is Kimberly. Hi, I am here against probably everyone's best judgment. 
Well, I mean, like, we're, it's the wholesome episode, and I love me some wholesome. I just kind of struggle with the subject a little bit, at least brainstorming for it, so. That's fair. That's fair. And then above Kimberly is Doug. Hi, who is I'm the math guy, also the tech support. Also, you participate, despite saying every single time that you're not going to participate. I didn't <laughs> say that this time. I am participating. You didn't. Not this time. Not but, this time you didn't. Yeah. Every previous time you have, though. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I won't participate in this one, then. I can tease you. I'm allowed. Yeah, We're I married. Can I can lie, too. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, just lying. Whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Who's going to stop you? Anyway, last time we spent basically the entire episode giving every master in Malifaux that didn't already have a pet some sort of pet, which wasn't really what we intended the wholesome episode to encompass. Uh, so we're going to revisit that wholesome episode. But before we actually get into our topics tonight, let's go ahead and revisit why we need wholesome in Malifaux. Because if everything is horrible all the time, it's boring. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's what it boiled down to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, the thing that sort of makes the stories in it compelling is that they aren't just unrelentingly grim. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're yeah. exciting, and they're funny, and wholesome sometimes. And, like, to have, I think, impactful horror, you have to have something to contrast it with. And if you don't show that people live worthwhile everyday lives, you've mostly just created misery porn, and we're not here for that. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. We get enough of that in real life. Yeah. This is escapism. Yeah. I will say so. Our that that said, there uh, wasn't there recently a Friday night photo in which like someone's exact reasoning for bringing Ryle back was to traumatize Hoffman. Like, this is why we need the wholesome episode. is because trauma is not character development, y'all. <laughs> it kind of a little bit is sometimes. Just not always the character development you want. Um, we so... hurt our darlings a little bit as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our jumping off point on this episode... Um, Y'all know what a rom-com is, right? A romantic comedy? Everybody here is familiar with those? You better yes. be. No, Victoria, what is a rom-com? Oh, uh, <laughs> God. It's a movie genre, genre, media genre, because it's in books, too. A romantic comedy, generally, as far as I know and am led to believe, follow... Sirens? Uh, that was there was like a police car going whoop, 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 with its siren outside. <laughs> yeah, I, I, which I uh, are we under noise arrest? I, no, I'm not under arrest, but someone. I don't see any lights or anything outside my window, so I don't know. Maybe it's just a police officer being a dick. I don't fucking know. They'll never nah, that catch one you. <laughs> They'll never take you alive. Um. Uh, Romantic comedy, anyway, hopping back to that, uh, generally involves two people getting together um, in a series of funny-slash-awkward-slash-incredibly-cringe circumstances. 
I think, encapsulates that well. Gotta have a lot of cringe. That is my least favorite part of any movie. Mm-hmm. I get secondhand embarrassment so bad. Like, I cannot watch most comedies because I'm just cringing in the back, trying to crawl out of my own skin. Anyway, that was unrelated to this. We're going to pitch our rom-coms. Our Malifaux romantic comedies. So, Kim already has called dibs on a couple in the dock. So, I think we're going to make her start. Okay. So, picture this. It is the first opening of the newest branch of the guild on the furthest outpost of Malifaux. And who is stuck on this? Hoffman and Tony. (laughs) It is a 100% forced proximity rom-com where, like... Like, he's supposed to be, like, acting guild official, but she's like, come on, I know you have Arcanist high in overtime. Like, she helps him relax, and, like, they, they, they find love, as well as they find a way to, like, help the Arcanist come out on top. So, yeah, that's mine. I, I like, you brought this up, and I'm like, I have to think about this. Thing. <laughs> so, I'm like, how do I, how do I stay on brand with this answer? Though when you said state your rom-com, like, the first thing I thought of was, like, I don't know, something involving Tony and Karis. (laughs) (laughs) Karis teaches Tony how to commit arson and learn the true meaning of Christmas. Like, (laughs) 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 we'll call it hearts on fire or some shit. (laughs) Do we need, do we need to put Hallmark movie on as as a new question on this list? We're we're already doing rom coms, and then we've got another media question immediately following. So I mean, fair, but also I'd argue that uh, Hallmark movies also, are too low budget to be com- comedies. We also already did <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies and a F and FD. Okay. So like, although if Monica, if Monica and Kim really want to do a Hallmark movie pitch, I. It doesn't. I just picked Christmas because it's easy. Uh, <laughs> it could be. I mean, it could be anything else because romantic comedies usually involve, often involve like a holiday. Like yeah. Shitty, ho- <clears throat> shitty Hallmark Christmas movies are often also sort of rom comish. Um, but I agree with Doug that they're like too shitty to be funny usually. Um, uh, it does make me want a shitty uh, Lifetime adaption, like like. <laughs> question like that we do that's done on the podcast though because that's right up Malifaux's alley yeah i was also trying to think of a like sonya lady j thing but my brain but all the thoughts i had for that one were just just romance just a romantic drama not like they weren't (laughs) funny not a comedy Um, not a comedy at all (laughs) (laughs) oh this is heartbreaking and tragic this is not yeah (laughs) Yeah, or just like, oh, this is just a, a drama, not necessarily heartbreaking and tragic, where it's just, you know, there was no funny. It was all t- taken at face value or serious. Um, the comedy part makes this a little challenging. Like, who could I imagine in a story that's romantic and funny? Um, <laughs> I know one couple that comes immediately yep. to mind, but... Okay. Yeah, me too. 
I mean, I call dibs on I them, Doug. Once you said that, it it spun up too. But go ahead. I'll let Victoria go. Okay, Zip and Parker. Well, oh, Zip, yes, Zip and Parker is classic. Yeah, okay. like well, like literally any storyline that involves the two of them is going to end up being a romantic comedy because they are pining for each other and neither of them know it. Imagine. Okay, so imagine a rom com that's also a heist movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're both trying to steal something, maybe like at odds with each other, or like were hired onto the same team by someone else, and the sort of structure of the movie is structured like a heist, where it's got the beats of, like, infiltrating the place, and they have to get all the stuff, and they're about to get caught, and then, you know, you've got, like, this person who's, like, lying over here, and this person who's wearing a disguise and sneaking in here, and whatever, and through all of that, it's, like, woven in with these two dumbasses falling madly in love with each other. <laughs> there was only one getaway car. There was only one, yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> they have to they have to pretend to be each other's dates to get into the gala. Parker and each of them gets and, <laughs> and Zip is on a pair of stilts. <laughs> you think Zip would not fist fight Parker to be the one to wear the dress? <laughs> I just really wanted to imagine Parker like in a ball gown, but like still in the cowboy hat. <laughs> with his face completely concealed. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh. Go ahead. Who? You. You, you were starting Me? to say something. To say yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I actually wasn't. I was looking something up. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. I can go, but... Uh, sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You and I share the same opinion of rom-coms, Victoria. Like, the, the all the cringy stuff is just... We, I can't, I can't stand it. So how do we fix that without removing the cringy stuff? And we make, we make it about two characters that uh, we hate. Oh and no! And so watching them suffer through the cringe means that it's a good thing because we hate said character. So I picked two characters that I figured could possibly go together in some way that I hate. Don't, okay. don't, 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 don't sense me. Uh, and then, weirdly enough, trying to figure out how to put them together, I actually recalled an old VHS TV series my parents had from a 1950s TV show called oh, no. The Lost Jungle. Actually, no, 1930s. Holy shit. Yeah. And the reason I thought of this is because it's a group of people that get stranded on some sort of deserted island with a bunch of wild animals from different parts of the world. Uh, and they crash a blimp. So this is going to be... Winston Finnegan is showing off his brand new dirigible uh, that he invented with all this cool technology, and someone has to write a report on that. None other. No. <laughs> None other than Nellie Cochran is aboard this blimp. <laughs> ready to interview Winston Finnegan. But oh no, things go awry. A storm rolls in, and they get lost at sea, and they end up on an island. They have to survive, but neither of them does a goddamn thing to survive because they're so incompetent. And Fiona does all the work. <laughs> well, these two are just learning that they have a thing for each other because they both will not shut the fuck up. I hate it. Me too. <laughs> But at the so end, much. Fiona. But but the end, Fiona gets a pet tiger. So, who really wins? Who? Yeah. Really? 
someone who actually appreciates her for her a tiger. <clears throat> I feel like as far as funny characters go and like funny pairings go, Tara and Karina are also uh, a pretty good one. It's classic. Uh, like, what if the notebook was funny? <laughs> the time traveler's wife comedy yeah, edition. The time traveler's wife comedy edition. Yeah, like, uh, you know, what if this is a story told through time or like out of order? But instead of being a like a heart wrenching drama, it's funny because Karina is here. Because <laughs> Karina's the time traveler. Yes, because Karina is the time traveler. Like one part. Okay. It's it's like almost a parody of that genre, where like one part is the the you know I've loved you for a thousand years sort of thing, uh, but the rest of it is the absurdity of both of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, and of course they get married at the end. Happy. Like I would love to see kind of like a deconstruction or a parody of that with those two <laughs> as as like the characters. You know, Wingman Thirty Three. There we go. I've checked all my boxes. <laughs> Gotta get 33 in there somehow. Gotta Somewhere, there. yeah. Wingman, Wingman 33 can also be in the LJ Sonya um, film. Really, it's just not a rom-com, <laughs> but I feel like 33 has to have that sitcom Kramer-esque bursting through the door, but instead the coffin door oh, flies yeah. open, she just stumbles out onto the floor, and everyone claps. There's <laughs> 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 33! <laughs> but she's screaming the entire time. Like, with of the howls of the dead, yeah. <laughs> the coffin just bangs open, and you hear. Open. And out of like the three hundred like episodes, the of the void. One time, you just hear the bang of the coffin. The door doesn't open up. And you just hear swearing on the other side. <laughs> Boy, no, I, 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 I love this time travelers wife thing i feel like the movie posters all have to be like different historical events that have inadvertently been caused by karina <laughs> like chicken wings somehow yeah. caused the sinking of that titanic shit like that yeah yeah yeah. oh boy karina single-handedly ended world war ii i want i want that story <laughs> <laughs> uh anybody else have any other... Uh, Maxine and Orville are also a good potential comedic pairing. I'm trying to take this... I'm trying to figure out, like, new pairings for this, which is putting more on my plate than I, I feel like I can handle. Yeah, don't. But... I mean, that's a cool yeah. idea, but just... We're already... here to hear me say the same, like, six things over and over again, so, like... <laughs> <laughs> I know I know what you're listening for. You're waiting for me to talk about Vicka Taylor, too. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. We we all have our core couple that we go back to. That's why they're an OTP. Like Yeah. Yeah. You're all here for just the variations on a theme. I I, I, I know. Yeah. I know yeah. our audience. I'm trying to so Okay, I'm trying to remember who who in the mercenary keywords is the straight man? Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah. Okay. I was thinking Big Jake. Oh, I feel Big like Jake too. Yeah. I feel like Big Jake is the strong silent one. Yeah, if is you that, mean the comedy that... role of the like person who is sort of set up to make everyone else is like the normal person to contrast all these weirdos, that's definitely Vanessa. Mm -hmm. I'm 
when you brought up like the romantic thing, I also went to like I also like Vanessa and Hannah as a couple. I don't know if I've ever done that one before. On, they they uh, both have very crazy sisters, so they they sure do. <laughs> uh, and they have like a conversation, like an actual canon conversation in one of the older one stories. Of the yeah, it's, no one of the newer. No, ones, it's actually. newer. She's yeah, it's in. Were they hanging hanging out because it's with uh in, it's in the story where. Hamlin tries to kill everyone in Freyholt. That's one of the new ones. Oh, that one. Okay. Yes. The, the and, one, and that, what? Go ahead. The one with the best out of context artwork ever. <laughs> yes. Because if you yes. haven't read the story, turn this page and suddenly it's an old man beating the shit out of a bunch of children and rats. Children. Yeah. yeah. This is the uh, orphan crushing machine. <laughs> it's Von Stuck and it always has been. <laughs> or no, Von Schell. Jesus Christ. Von Schell. Yeah, uh, which, like, has this real kind of badass moment where Tara is like, I'm the scarier tyrant here. Uh, but there's a conversation between, like, Vanessa is representing the Victoria's interests because they're still fucking off in the dirt somewhere. Well, and uh, it's better that she's and, there anyway. They're, yeah, they're both insane. Yeah, she does have the, the most brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, she is the they... chambers that got all the brain cells, so... <laughs> I think they were uh, off. And she has a conversation with, with Hannah where they have, like, a certain amount of chemistry. And I had sort of thought of them as, like, a potential pairing before then. And I was like, ah, I love it when <laughs> my shit gets confirmed. <laughs> and by confirmed, I mean two characters speak to each other. <laughs> In a way that could mean things. That fucking meme! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the Bechdel test was actually basically, like, Alison Bechtel, famously a lesbian, being like, I want to see a conversation between two women in which I can imagine them being lesbians. <laughs> Makes sense. Fair. Yeah, like, don't we all? They have a conversation that's not about a man, therefore I can imagine them being lesbians. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, yeah, it's just me reading, it's just me reading this lore. <laughs> which does, a lot of it passes the Bechtel test in both senses, in that, like, not sexist. These women are full-on characters. They get to have conversations about things that aren't a man. And because they get to have conversations about things that aren't men, I can imagine them as lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> what was I talking about? We were talking about rom-coms, and I think we were wrapping right. that one up. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I could imagine them having a, like, romantic drama as well, but I don't really see it being funny. That's the point I was trying to get to. ADHD is great. It could be funny, but it would require a good supporting cast that carries most of the comedy. Yeah. Because, like, they do appear to be very straight-laced, trying-to-handle-situation people in groups that are a bit unruly in different ways. Yeah, I was going to throw out there that they both have sisters that are just mm -hmm. absolutely bonkers. So there's your comedy. It's just the oh, sisters. True. Actually, true. I got it. I got it. They bond over the yeah. fact that they have to try to get their respective keywords to get along. <laughs> oh boy. They're they're the ambassador to the other keyword. And yeah, the mercenary keyword is trying to get the Fry Corps to loosen the fuck up. And the Fry Corps is very upset <laughs> the mercenary keyword is not using any German names in their officer structure. <laughs> 
That's my and then, suggestion. Should the mercenaries have an officer structure? <laughs> has been an argument going on between Victoria and Von Schill since 1902. <laughs> <laughs> also, then you throw Hannah's sister into the mix. Um, fucking get out here, Hannah. <laughs> I mean, I think between the two, Vanessa has it better off because I'm not under the impression that Victoria doesn't like her. I'm under the impression that Victoria is sort of self-centered, but, like, as there is no canon indication mm -hmm. that Victoria hates Vanessa and wants her life to be miserable. Uh, <laughs> if anything, the misery she has caused her has been incidental. I don't think Vic hates Vanessa at all. Unlike Anna, who's like, I hate you and I want you to die. <laughs> <laughs> I, but... I, I don't think Victoria goes out of her way to make Vanessa's life difficult, other than existing. That's all she has to do. <laughs> I have I have two things to add to that. One, it feels like Victoria is the younger sister who just so happens to have more power than her older sister. And there's just that tiniest little bit of resentment there with Vanessa. Um, and then... I'm going to well actually you because Victoria is canonically older. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Personality-wise, right also, also that's also canon. <laughs> I will tell. I will. I will go. I will quickly shift over to say that the canonical age of the various siblings in Bandit's family from Bluey is wrong. <laughs> okay. So it is. Is I was gonna be like, I love Monica because she can like well actually for me, but then Doug just dropped his like eldritch. I have a. I am a. Father, this is how you can tell with like the deep bluey lore. Um, <laughs> I mean, the canonical we're doing deep bluey lore. I would have come prepared. <laughs> I mean, like the canonical ages of the bandit family, bandits siblings, does not make sense, like at all. But in any case. What was I going to say? Okay, yeah, you, we we've established that. Anna and Hannah hate each other. Anna probably hates Hannah a bit more. Um, maybe. Uh, but we would also fully swallow any story that would get the, force them to get along, I think. It's like, yeah, they wouldn't like each other, but, you know, if we can make them, force them to, like, team up for some reason and to sort of get along a little bit, I would eat oh, that yeah, shit you wanna up. Put a, you want to shove them in the get-along shirt. Like... Yeah. You want to handcuff them together and make them go, like, solve, like, where Meridian is together or something and have them hate each other the entire time. I, yeah. I found a solution for that. And that is, for some reason, I can't figure out why, they need to team up to win the annual December Sand Volleyball Competition. No. I was yes. laughing and I was muted. That's fine. No, I'm I am going I'm funny. Where we we are veering away from, like, vo beach volleyball is kind of veering away from the wholesome vibe. I know I get wholesome <laughs> feelings whenever I watch Top Gun. <laughs> are they wholesome? There are a whole you're, lot of fucking. Hmm. I mean, they start with the same sound, okay? But um. <laughs> okay, that's 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 my two cents. I'm done. I'm gonna go back to painting my <sighs> boy hungering darkness as Twilight Sparkle. 
moving on. Um, our next topic, uh, another rom-com, but in this case, high school anime rom-com, which has a totally different vibe. I promise. Cross my fingers. <laughs> I mean, I was the one that argued that they were different, so you don't have to do that for me. Okay, you argue how they're different. Um, one, the cringe is fully acceptable, whereas in the uh, typical American rom-coms, you don't quite understand why these people are so goddamn stupid. In the anime high school rom-com, it is understandable because they're stupid teenagers and they don't understand how to handle these feelings or how to act around the other people. So, this is that everyone is high school age. How does that change up their mannerisms and what's the most interesting pairing to watch? Who is confessing their love at the cherry blossom tree behind the school uh, via handwritten letter? That they've carefully in... <laughs> that they've carefully <laughs> placed in the other person's shoebox? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the episodes in the Tara and Karina series. <laughs> of course. <laughs> High school too. They're not. They're no longer just time traveling. They're now genre hopping. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? That'd be the best movie ever. Tara gets this beautifully handwritten note in her little shoe cubby. She goes out back behind the school, and a hole in space just rips open, and a full-grown woman steps out. I. I like the idea that this is still a high school anime and everyone is treating them like they are high schoolers, but they look exactly the same. Like, <laughs> oh, so the, Riverdale, we... so, so the Riverdale syndrome. <laughs> yes. Now we can need, we need, uh, we need an anime and the JoJo situation. Oh God. Several JoJo's characters are full-ass grown adult men, but are apparently still in high school somehow. They failed. Fucking Chad? It's, from... it's the curse of Dio. It makes you fail high school multiple times. Oh, God, no. <coughs> Fucking Chad from Bleach. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Chad is definitely not. Chad is a full-grown man. He does not belong in that high school. <laughs> I keep going yeah, my, my favorite... <laughs> JoJo's being like, yes, this... This young fellow is 16. He is six foot six. And <laughs> 230 waist. pounds of pure And his waist is snatched. <laughs> Anyone could be a stand user, and it's always the most flamboyantly dressed motherfucker in the crowd. Could this be the work of an enemy stand? <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about high school romances, but this is fine too. I will, uh, confession uh, time. I am very poorly educated on the subject of high school, uh, romance anime. Um, I am not a huge anime watcher or manga reader, so the genre is a little, uh, I'm a little, you're, I'm gonna need some hand holding. Let's, uh, just sure. look at it yeah. through the high school aspect. They, they're in high school, they're immature, they don't understand how to navigate relationships all too well, so it's that sort of awkward cuteness that you're going for. You can go with overt, disgusting amounts of cuteness, depending on the characters. 
Sorry, what was you hands up? You can also think less anime and think more like you've seen High School Musical, right? No. No. Okay, I was like, I haven't that, either. Okay. How about K drama? When we're talking about like the quote unquote, oh, 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 okay, yeah, I can do K drama. I got it. I got right, it. Do I K drama. Do K drama. Okay, I can do that do one. That I can do that one. Okay. I still want to go last since I'm poorly learned on oh, the subject. Okay. Sure. Um. So if Kim wants to go last, I'll go ahead and um go. So my original thought is like reverse harem all a fruits basket where it's like really cute and squishy except for the really dark backstory that's going on in the background that you don't really learn about until the second season and i'm thinking eh yeah molly's the protagonist ah here we go time for you to be on brand <laughs> of course it's time for me also, to be I'm, on brand i'm i'm already here for uh high school protagonist molly <laughs> Right? It makes so much sense. Um, <clears throat> obviously, her Kyoya is going to have to be like Kirai. Um, yes. She's got something to prove. She's willing to fight anyone. Um, there's definitely a tinge of revenge in that character where he's trying to like get back at this family for how badly they've treated them for his entire life. So I feel like Kirai slots into that role really well. Um, Let's throw like imagining Kirai in that like delinquent girl uniform. <laughs> oh god, yeah. With, like the real long skirt. Yeah. Yeah. And like the it's straight sheet. under. Yeah. The straight sheet of black hair. <laughs> yeah. Um now I want that as a model. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom Mommy Issues is very clearly Seamus. Who? The quiet one. As a dark horse, I'm willing to throw Tara in as a as the quiet one. Okay. Uh, uh, Reshipping re Tara with Molly. Maybe. Who knows? Say <laughs> more <laughs> <anymore> right now. <laughs> uh, there's usually like a lolly bait in there, but I don't want to do that, so we're not going Let's to not this do time. That. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. We're not going to. Uh, the big strong one is Archie, obviously. I think the closest to Lolly bait you could get is like candy, and Molly's just like, oh, you scamped. <laughs> and like candy's murdering everyone. Like that's her response to candy, just murdering. Aw, how cute. Yeah. You're like the little sister I never had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, there. I guess we could put Candy in there as the absolutely no one ships this. Why would you ship this? That's disgusting. Um, just to fill a slot. Huh, I'm trying to think of who else. You know what? I bet Molly and Rasputina would get along really weirdly well. And Rasputina can be the cool one. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. I heard that. <laughs> uh, now I'm imagining Tina like, like under the bleachers at the football game, smoking. <laughs> the sort of the kind of character who's like super antisocial, but everyone is like, she's so cool. Yeah, Other people are like, she's definitely killed someone, and they're like, mm, she's cool though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what gives her that air of genos? Genos? Blah, words. 
Je ne sais quoi. Yes. Je ne sais quoi. Yes. The alleged murder. Really my, my, cool. my mouth would not make the words. But yeah, I'll call that Molly's harem for now. I'm sure I'll have more later. <laughs> Do you have one, Doug? I've been... St- I had one when I wrote that down, and I have subsequently forgot it, because again, <laughs> it has been three months. I was initially trying to think of the pseudo-standard, tough-but-misunderstood boy versus extremely girly girl somehow are, like, the perfect match for each other, but in this case, the uh, gang-fighting delinquent is Tony? Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm Mm -hmm. having a real time of finding anyone in faction that would really fit that very cutesy, slightly ditzy, girly girl that uh, Tony suddenly finds herself absolutely needing to protect. Hmm. I almost need to go out of out of faction for that. But the first thing that comes to mind is Molly, and I'm not sure I see those two together, even if they're, like, high schoolers. I feel like they could be friends, but I definitely don't see them romantically involved. Hmm. Maybe it's just... Yeah, part of this is probably because of the shirt. Because I want to see Tony in the, the 1990s delinquent <laughs> schoolboy uniform. <laughs> Any, any, anyone got it? Please help me. I, was, I like you said that, and I was tossed up between like Tony in the delinquent girl uniform and Tony like with the pompadour. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Tony out here looking like Kuwabara. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Kimberly is like, what the fuck are you talking? No, about? no, I'm thinking. Okay, so Tony with the delinquent schoolgirl outfit. Wearing the pompadour. Yes. Like, that's the final form. It has to be everything together. And, like, it's not actually a cigarette she's smoking. Like, it's a candy cigarette. It's just a piece of Pocky. <laughs> Constantly yes. in there. Transfer it to Pocky. Because smoking's bad, and despite her being, like, the rough and tough delinquent, she actually, like, has concerns about her health and the health of people around her. Now, the, her pairing, like, the best way I can describe it the best person for that pairing is who in Malifa would create like the cutest food for herself. Perdita. Oh my god. <laughs> I I like that actually. Um Yeah, you know Perdita packs herself like a cute little lunch boxes every day. Okay, no, no, that's 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 how we that's how we do it. Like we'll have rough and tough Tony who has actually like a secret soft side to herself. And we've got the cute Demir Perdita, who actually has like a rough side to herself too. Like, oh no, she's violently strong for no good reason. <laughs> That's a fun trope. I, 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 I really love the Perdita as the like cute girl who is like extraordinarily violent. Good <laughs> Perdita, but as like in high school with like the double braids and bows in her hair. <laughs> I just you just made me remember a ship someone proposed that I was like, oh fuck, that's so good. And it was Perdita and Alice. Like Rusty Alice. Oh, oh shit. Oh. Yeah. As Damn. They're both kinda as they're both kind of people who were like thrust into violence way too young. Uh and are both people who are definitely, they're definitely fine. There's definitely nothing wrong with either of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, and like, 
They have gotta, no trauma. Know that both of them are just like none, none whatsoever. And you gotta, I like the the canon lore kind of wants Perdita to come across as being like a cool, suave badass, but you you know that she's like seventeen through most of the first edition fiction. And then you're you like, get then you get messed up. <laughs> and then you get the you get the break the break room story. Right. And she's like, seventeen. Like sort of a more... She is she is seventeen <laughs> in that story. <laughs> he straight up straight up goes ew. Yeah, <laughs> My I mean, senpais like, don't think I'm cool. So like I lo- I know people are like what a character assassination in one room of Perdita, and I'm like I think that's Perdita being herself. Like you, you, she's, she's not she's... putting on on her badass fa- face. She's being and herself. part of it. Uh, and like go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and part of it is like she spends most of her time on the Latigo compound. So, like her being like kind of not used to typical office talk at the guild compound, and kind of making her herself kind of look like an idiot in front of these like women that she thinks are super cool and awesome. Like it fits. It totally you know, fits. Like, like a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. yeah. She got into hunting Neverborn <clears throat> in her mid-teens and very yep. quickly became the head of the monster hunting department. And so her entire existence for several years, starting at her mid-teens, has been this job. How often do you think she gets to socialize with anyone that isn't a family member? She is just... Like, never. She's, she's yeah. emotionally immature. I don't care if she's in her, like, early 20s. She's still pretty much a teenager yeah, as far as maturity goes. Yeah, like, in in one room, if you consider that she was, like, 13 when she would have arrived, which I get the vibe from the flashback in Shifting Loyalties, that that's probably around how old she was, uh, then she's, like, 23 at most in one room, which is, like, an adult, but it's not a very adulty adult. Still a baby. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I hesitate to call a twenty three year old an adult just because their I mean, brain is not are. fully formed. Like, <laughs> technically, they're an adult, but they're not a full adult. Yeah, you're, you're, I saw someone in a Tumblr post describe being in your twenties as the toddler of adulthood, and that's it. Oh yeah, that makes ex- yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, like, you're a grown-up. Your 20s, you are an adult. Like, you're fully an adult. You're kind of expected to live on your own. You are finishing maturing. But it is very much the toddler of adulthood. So, So, like, yeah, she's an unsocialized 20-something. But where I was going with that was that, like, the high school drama of the romance between Perdita and Alice would be fucking hilarious. I'd like to think canonically they both have saved the other from Leviticus at some point. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, we'll we'll go with Perdita as as the girlfriend character to Ironsides. Um, If we shifted this over to the normal rom-com, I feel like there is a very obvious body count joke in there somewhere. (laughs) Oh, God. But this is the wholesome episode, so... I'm just gonna. We're gonna hold off on that one. Yeah, you didn't hear me say nothing. Edit that out. Kimberly, we're to you. Okay, okay. So bear with me. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about one of the most re 
ridiculous K-dramas I know called Secret Garden. And it's about two opposites to have a body swap. So in this one, it is uh, my, my boy, my, my madness bay, uh, Harold Tull, uh, switches with Hannah. Oh gosh! Oh, oh dear! And so, <laughs> so yeah. So very loud. Very like doesn't take shit from anyone. Harold now has to be like very organized. Very got everything in order for Von Schill and. Hannah now has to be, you know, this bombastic guy who can't hear. Um, and, and like, obviously, Sergeant Walter knows what's up when the swap happens. Oh, like, so they're like, you know, how? What's up? Why, why is Sergeant Walter upset? Like, and, like, I also like the idea that, like, Hannah's allergic to cats. So, like, she's just not a fan of cats as a tiny little kicker. He's like, I have to like this cat, but... So yeah, that, there, that's mine. We have this scene where she's just sitting down with the cat, like, listen, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like you and you don't like me, but we gotta make this work. And then, when Sergeant Walter sees Harold in Hannah's body, he comes, you know, he's all excited, he comes running up, but because Hannah's body is allergic to cats, like, how sad, because he's like, oh no, oh, no. why is... Yeah, see? So yeah, that that is mine. That is my little close enough to a, a high school anime, but it's a it's straight up a, a body swap of very two very opposites. Weirdly, uh, very opposite, but also weirdly similar. But that's how these things go because they both learn that something from the previous skill set is actually beneficial in their current one. I feel like Hannah would be one of the few people that can do like the instantaneous. Uh, math geometry to actually coordinate um, artillery strikes that Toll just kind of innately does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, the, everyone's very confused why he's not screaming at them and charging headfirst into battle. Whereas I want to see Hannah in her big robot suit just shrieking at the top of her lungs charging across the battlefield. <laughs> just right? Whacking, just whacking things. <laughs> the big robot. Von Schill's like, huh? Good honor. (laughs) (laughs) He would say something like, I didn't know she had it in her, but he did know. He knew. He knew. One of his proudest moments. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, conversely, just like, just like Von Schill is, alright, just like Sir Walter knows something's up with, uh, with the body swap. The steam trunk knows something's up with the body swap. Are are you saying the steam trunk has some form of sentience? Yes, I am. It's been ever since I saw the steam trunk, and my personal canon has been it's got some level of rudimentary sentience. Oh, like the printing press. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but like just because, just because the Frey Corps have always just treated it like a pet and it eventually just kind of became a pet. So yeah. I thought you were going to say because they treat it like a, just a, another machine, it's grown resentful? No. No, no, no. I, would... I think that that's the machine they treat like a pet. Okay. 
I just say, because if that's the case, and that would explain why it explodes when you kill it, even though that's extremely detrimental to the crew. <laughs> it's like, fuck you all! <laughs> if I die, I'm taking you out with me. <sighs> okay. Um, so, who hasn't been kissed in each faction, and who should be their first kiss? I'm gonna propose right now that almost everyone in the Bayou faction has made out with someone else at some point in time. Yes, even Bo Fishbucker. I, I would fucking kiss Bo Fishbucker. What are you t- no one has yeah. kissed Earl Burns. <laughs> and he's no. real sad about it. True. Oh. You know what? That's fair. And the That's first fair. mate should be his first right, kiss, no whether or not he... <laughs> whether or not he was expected it, it's the first I mate. Mean, the first mate first is kiss. trying to bite his face off but Earl has decided to count. <laughs> I was gonna say it. You know, I can, I'm gonna fucking say it. The first mate only only knows how to French. <laughs> that silver tongue. <laughs> the first mate. This is the wholesome episode, guys. Ah, ah, that noise. Shit. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Wholesome episode. It's just a little smooch that. We could, go, we could probably go through each of the factions. I have two options. One that's probably the most likely and one that is the most interesting as far as like a story goes. For the Arcanists. Uh, obvious one, Willy Brandt. Yeah, I can see that. I'm trying to figure out who's, who's his first kiss, though. The fire starter. Yes. <laughs> I like that. It's explosive. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, yeah, I get it. I feel like combining those two is a very a huge recipe for disaster in more ways than one. Um, <clears throat> and then as far as the one that I feel like would be the most interesting story, Cassandra. I mean... Have I done my ace queen Cassandra spiel at all? Uh, not today. Think, so go ahead. I can't remember if we did that. I th- uh. think in the <laughs> gay subtext episode we talked about it a little bit. But go for well, it. Like, yeah, I buy that because like I kind of like Cassandra as being asexual. Uh, though that though kissing, I don't know, is a thing that can go either way depending on your preferences. Um. Uh, but I like, I like the idea of Cassandra specifically being a character who like understands the power of sex appeal, but is also like, no thanks, uh, none for me, thank you. Uh, I understand this, but I don't want to partake. Yeah, not but I'm, you. I'm good, thank you. <clears throat> Grass. But that does sort of put me in a position of being like, oh, well, if Cassandra's never been in and into that, and that never been kissed, that means that Colette has never smooched her, and I don't know if I can live with that. Maybe if it depends on never been kissed is like literally never been kissed or never been romantically kissed because I feel like Colette has fully gone kiss the homies good night with the showgirls <laughs> on more than one occasion. Good night type of gal, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and when they're like, "That's weird," she's like, "It's French." <laughs> are, are you are you are you French? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> well, she's like, "Well, my last name is Dubois." Come on. Is that your real last name? And she's like, ask us questions. 
Wasn't someone said that part of it? Like I don't, <clears throat> I've forgotten a lot of uh, first edition lore. Was she at some point working on a riverboat? Was that part of her lore before she came to Malifaux? Or am I going insane? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a Google Doc for this. Um, not, not saying she has to be from the Mississippi, but I thought she, she was did. Confirmed as good. Uh, she did work, uh, she worked for a dude, uh, being a pickpocket before she came to Malifaux. Okay. And Cassandra yeeted him off a bridge. He has a name. I was, that's what I was, I'm actually looking to bring up. Yeah, that's oh, the well. Queen of Hearts part. Yeah. Yeah, it's so um, good. It's, it's so a very good. straight thing. <laughs> you ever been so gay Yeet- you summon your bestie by kissing the hearts? <laughs> That's a real straight thing she did in that story. How else are you supposed to summon your bestie, I ask? I don't got a bat signal. I mean, that's why this is the homie's goodnight. Y'all, is it straight to just dub your best friend the the queen of heart? (laughs) And summon them with a kiss? Yeah. Yeah. It was just a very straight thing that she did there. (laughs) Uh, Colette well, does it just to there... be flashy, and Cassandra's in like, "Would you stop doing that?" <laughs> an adventure doesn't someone isn't there a way you could get Colette to like look the other way or help you by like buying her poutine, implying she's French Canadian? Oh my god, I love that idea. <laughs> I, but um, I'm not making that up. That was like in a TTB adventure, if I remember correctly. <laughs> There's a lot of those. I should just go and buy all. There of are them. a lot of those. <laughs> Someone in the comments confirm if you remember what the fuck I'm talking about. But also, like, I don't know anyone that wouldn't do something heinous for poutine, but... (laughs) Poutine is French rice covered in brown gravy and cheese curds. Getting back... you don't know. Tamarca? Wait, no, it's wholesome. Getting back on topic is what I was going to say, Doug. I'll shut up. <clears throat> People who have never been kissed. Right. right. That is, that is what we are discussing. I feel like the story, because it's all about the story, we learn we Cassandra learns that she doesn't need to be kissed. That's 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 the moral of her story. Yeah. 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 Uh oh. Right? There there are more than a couple episodes where I'm like sobbing by the end. Yeah. Anyway, going back to kissing. <laughs> so for me in Rezzers, <clears throat> I'm going to say like Reva, obviously, hasn't been like kissed because she was kept in an attic for like, oh, sure, at least a decade, I think. And then like the grown man who rescued her did not have that kind of like a vibe. Hooray. And then, like, everybody else are her followers, and I don't see her taking advantage of them in that way. Um, as far as who kisses her, I'm 50-50 on either Lin Lee or Asami. Say more right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love this. Where are you going? Asami... It feels like they've got similar levels of trauma that they both seem to be trying to come back from. 
Um, and it just kind of feels right. Okay. Like, I can't, I, I don't have a good explanation for it, right? It's just a vibe, um, given what I know about each of them. And then, with Lindley, that one, I guess, feels more like, oh, Reva goes and takes a day off and goes down to whatever they call their Chinatown in Malifaux City. Just to, like, get away from her peeps for a little while. And she and Lin Lee are in the same bar or whatever. Little Kingdom. Little Kingdom. Thank you. <clears throat> I knew it was Little Something, but I didn't want to say, like, like Little China, because I knew that wasn't right, you know? Um, it took me a minute to remember. <laughs> you said, like, Chinatown, and I was like, hang on. And they just, like, end up in the same bar or whatever and they both just get rip-roaringly drunk and decide it would be fun because neither of them has been kissed. Um. Lindley's got a boyfriend though. <coughs> Excuse me. No, I mean that makes for better story. <laughs> so I mean that technically also covers Ten Thunders then. I mean, technically. Who in... Well, no. Kimberly still needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, Kimberly gets a turn. Yes. Do you think Shenlong has ever answered me, answered me genuinely? What? <laughs> no. He's too He's too restrained. Do you think Shenlong he's... has ever been kissed? Answer me genuinely. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He has not. I. That is my deepest... Like, I know it in my soul to be true. He has not been kissed. And he has no he desire. Is, uh, <laughs> he has willed his body to take the shape of a kinform nude with a sick dragon tattoo. Like <laughs> he radiates that energy. It's his it's yeah. Um Okay, so I I I was thinking Glad this and I was Thank you. <laughs> um so I was thinking because like y'all have picked some really, really, really good ones. Um, and so I am picking a guild character, um, and it's one that, that it, it's not Hoffman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not Hoffman. Throw that out there right now. It's not, it's not my boy Hoffman. Um, no, uh, it's Allison Dade. Oh, uh, he's just been so driven. Huh. For the for for the scoop that she's just never like she doesn't have time for that <laughs> like and I honestly I think Tannenbaum's the one who kisses her he's Christopher Christmas he's kind of flirty I, you do not say anything about my sweet boy he's he's part of my 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 menagerie of men um uh, of Malifaux um. My menagerie of men of Malifaux is like strong right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Chris has ever been kissed either. So, um, but yeah, I, I think Hannah because like they're in uh in defense of innocence together. Yep. Like so, yeah, that's my thing. 
by nominating Alice and Dade as- I tried to find a Neverborn one that wasn't the Dreamer. Cause like- This also yeah. implies- No one needs to kiss the Dreamer, he just needs a hug. Um, and well, Cody's dead man hand, so he can't hug. I feel like our audios are yeah. out of sync. Oh, I bet it sounds like there's some crazy lag on my end. August Hart makes out with his own hand and considers it someone else, so he's been kissed. August Hart seems like a slack puppet kind of guy. <laughs> Mark is furiously typing. <laughs> the more I think about it, I feel like August Hart is some sort of like shadow Jim Henson. Are we good with the kissing topic, or are we ready to... Or do we have more that we want to talk about? After I've been traumatized by the August Hart thing. I could talk indefinitely, so we may as well move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, best hugs in each faction. Uh, it's it's Archie for Resurrectionists, oh, yeah, obviously. Sure. It's Lord Chompy bits for Neverborn, oh. and you know it. <laughs> you know it, and it's you know it in your heart. <laughs> and if you get really scared, you can just crawl inside the the belly mouth and hide. Oh, not the belly mouth. <laughs> I'm sure that'll yep. work out fine. I'm sure it'll uh -huh. work fine. Yep. He's friend shape. No problem. Can I can I can I go That's back for five seconds? What's that? Something I forgot to mention. I know we already elected our Explorers Society selection for the Never Been Kissed, but I feel like Yedza is also in there. You okay. have to have lips in order to be kissed, and she doesn't. <laughs> I mean, she probably used to have lips. At one point. She was born a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole the whole being made just of bones is actually completely ancillary to her I can't die powers. <laughs> Look, I wasn't gonna sh shove my this OTP implies... into this. Why not? This implies that Mama Z has never smooched her, and I can't accept that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean that. What if we? What if we get the first? I don't kiss? know that smooching her in her current state is very pleasant. <laughs> I feel like Zoraida's kissed worse. I mean, is it really Halloween if you haven't made out? Yeah, with I mean, skeleton? she was kind of hot for Leviticus. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> anyway, hugs. I don't like it. Hugs. Hugs. Who's the best hugger? Okay, so we've got Rezzers, We've got. Neverborn. Um, it's technically it was unused. I feel like Yedza actually would be really good hugger for Yedza. Yeah, but like she won't. You... She bone. But she granny too, and everyone knows grannies have the best hugs. Mm. She's wearing clothes. It's just like you're being hugged by. Maybe a really there's thin some cushion because she's wearing clothes. You yeah, know. layers. I mean. <sighs> Hot take. I haven't enjoyed a hug from a grandmother ever. Um They've always felt weird to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry your grandma sucked skill issue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will, I will 
no, no, but no, that is valid. That is valid. One of my. <laughs> it's just the way Monica said that. <laughs> one, one of my grandmothers absolutely teasing. did suck. I'm she, teasing. She... I don't actually. No, but you're, you're, you have a very valid point for one of my grandmothers. Absolutely sucked. Um, the other don't. one, I just didn't see her very often. So it was like getting a hug from a stranger. Um, yeah, that's fair. You would probably yeah, get a fair. better hug from that one grandma if you didn't steal her kitchen towels. <laughs> I was seven. And in Houston. She was in when Ohio. When you were accused of this? Yes. Yeah. I can see why uh, you may not have, like, hugs from that one. Anyway. You know who I think gives really good hugs from Ten Thunders? Yeah. Sensei Yu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's one of those guys who, like, hugs you and then it, like, cracks your back. Yeah, for sure. And you forgive all your your everyone Pressure who's wronged you. He's yeah. the emotional support the monk. He's the emotional support the monk keyword is desperately needed. Because they certainly aren't getting any like support from Shenlong. Dear God, no. If only Shenlong would let Sensei Yu hug him, then all of their problems would be fixed. <laughs> the dragon Shenlong would vacate him immediately. Let Sensei Yu hug him. Yeah, the, he would be so he would like immediately reach Nirvana, and that would be it. Like <laughs> he would leave the cycle of reincarnation, and that would be, it would be the end of it. So the dragon can't allow that to happen. The dragon's <laughs> like no hugs. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we've done. Uh, I'm gonna nominate Taylor for the outcast being the good hugger. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Sober Taylor or drunk Taylor. I feel like they give two very yes. different hugs, um, but they're both good. Yeah. Yes. Dr- Drunk Taylor is, you are my bestest best friend ever, and we are going to be best friends forever hugs. And sober Taylor is like, hey, everything's going to be okay, kid. Who wouldn't buy you? I agree. Uh, she's like shockingly good at hugging you without like slamming your face into the metal shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Alf- Alphonse for Bayou. Yeah, I think Alphonse for Bayou. Yeah, he's. I feel like he's big enough that it would not be awkward, and he's not like mega strong and won't accidentally squish you. Like I feel like Lenny might. Like, Alphonse is, like, aware of his size. Yes. Yeah. In fact, hugging is pri- his, primarily, his primary job with Wong? <laughs> you think it'd be, like, to beat things up, but no, Wong just really likes a good hug. And we all know that Olivia's just bad at it. <laughs> Has she ever showed up in, lo- in, in Fluff? Oh, I am so bad at remembering Bayou Fluff. I could not tell you. Where's Nate when we need him? Yeah. Useless. Busy I doing something yes, else. But not by name. Does it mean like back when she was just the lovely assistant? Yeah, actually, you know what? He 
needs the hugs yeah. because he no longer has Mancha, who is the second best hugger. Because <laughs> Zip stole him. That's that's why Zip stole him. Because he's like, there's no way I'm going to get Alphonse to come join me, but Mancha. Threaten him with a good time. <laughs> who haven't we covered yet? See, we've got Brezzers, we've got Bayou, we've got Neverborn, we've got Explorers. Arcanists and Guild? Yeah, I think those are the two that are left, Arcanists and Guild. I think Captain gives us I have a shit take. daddy hugs, but yeah. What? <laughs> Doug, you're the Arcanist expert. The expert. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say Neil. Oh, he's a dad too, yeah. Yeah, Definitely right? Like he will all like he'll just be like, I know you need this hug, but give me five seconds to towel off because he seems like the perpetually sweaty type. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, oh, you feel so you feel so safe hugging. <laughs> you could be you could be bigger than him, and you'd feel so safe hugging Neil. Oh, exactly. Like that's that's just my hot take. That's not a hot take. It's a good take. Very good. It's take. a good take. Also, I want Hoffman to give really good hugs. There, I said it. <laughs> he hugs you with the robot arms. You're like, no, I want the real thing. Well, before he had the walking harness, you know, he, he his legs, he, it was arm day every day. So, yeah, come on. <laughs> wheelchair. Okay. For some reason, I thought like he was arm day every day. It's like he didn't crawl around on his arms. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> No, I was meaning like wheelchairs and walking crutches. <laughs> you ableist jerk! I thought that's what you were implying. Wow! I just—I have no words. Dog has thoughts apparently about me. I will admit, for a split second, that was what I pictured. But I'm like, no, they had wheelchairs. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I, I am I traumatized. You Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm not blaming you. I am fully admitting that it was my fault. My brain did that. I just love though that you were like, uh oh. This is great. That's that is that is all the factions. Hooray. That's all the factions. We've got wholesome theories about specific minions. Yes. Which feels like a very Doug question. That is exactly Doug's question. Because we we've been talking a lot about wholesomeness in the fact of like rom relationships and usually romantic relationships, but that's not necessarily all wholesome has to offer. Um, this entire question was sparked from my thought that two of the three steam fitters look like they're fucking siblings and they look like they are get into shit at all times and enjoy the hell out of each other's company because we're siblings. The one without the welding mask. I mean, the ones without the welding mask are the two siblings I'm picturing in this. So the idea being is like every all of these models, including the minions, are characterful, which minions sort of give off you're their character in some sort of wholesome fashion. That's the question I'm going with. Does that make sense? No, that absolutely makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah, but now I gotta now I, I gotta think. think about what the minions look like. 
Well, this Void Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, we're gonna fall I'm, back on the guys that I can remember what they look like. I, it's just like, Void Wretches like to be petted and given sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna... <laughs> Like, how about a, a very young children's movie, a la, like, Milo and Otis, Homeward Bound, about the one four-legged void wretch? I guess that's not a specific opinion. Because <laughs> that, that model doesn't exist, but I, I would go with you just kind of twisting the question like that, because God knows I never follow my own so, fucking rules. You know, the, you know the one... The one... Uh, the one void wretch that's like... I made I made the face. It's the uh, the, it's the one that we have the emoji of when we're yes. facing forward, and he's just like you know, he's got like, his mouth like open, and he looks it's like he's yeah. Whose name? Yeah. So, um, the that mo I named that model in particular Buddy because it looked like the character. Like I talked about a little bit that I had a TTB character who wound up with another TTB character who wound up with a pet void wretch, um, and. Uh, that character was the pet boy was named Buddy, and then I decided it was that model, the one that's like, ah. uh, <laughs> and then that, then I just was like, that one's Buddy, Buddy. So it's about the the void wretch named Buddy. Uh, uh, Buddy is friendly, and that's what makes him weird. Because most void wretches are just like kind of mindless, uh, you know, eating machine. Buddy is a friend. <laughs> that's why Tara had to give him away. And that's literally oh. the story as to why my character has point wrench in the game. You find it in a box, <laughs> like good to a good to a free home, free to a good home, free to a good home. Fuck. I have had no, a it should just be okay. good to a free home. The actual story is that she showed up to to like my my character accidentally sort of stumbled into becoming in a better of obliteration, and then Tara showed up and was like, "Hey, I've got a bunch of things for you to do." Also. You can have this. It's free. And <laughs> was like here and handed her. It was just like it's a void wretch. It will help you. And then the void wretch like immediately just ate something off the floor. Like <laughs> she's like, it's a little weird, but you can have it. And that that was how I got it. <laughs> I'm guessing that this was like showed up at the person's house or office or something. However, so that's like I mental picture. Tara drives up in a car for some reason, <laughs> rolls down the window like it's a drug deal, has this conversation with the person, and then just throws the void wretch out of the car and speeds off. <laughs> Hits them in the head. Bonk. Shouting, just smell you later. <laughs> Can you get bonked with a void wretch? They're nothing. It's, it's, the, it's the opposite of a bonk. It's a it's a knob. <laughs> Sorry, did I anger did I anger Kimberly, or is she just scowling at something else? I'm scowling at a cat. Um, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> that 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 is that face is only reserved for cat. Um. <laughs> See, I think I think I named that particular void rich of mine pancake. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. Pancake is also a very good name. Uh, my three void wretches were named uh, Buddy Amigo or Buddy um, Friendo and Pal. Aww. <laughs> Those are some great names. Pal has um, his mouth closed. <laughs> Mine are 
pancake, bacon, and sausage. Very good. Comment down below with what are the names of your void wretches. (laughs) If you have void wretches, we know you've named them. And if not, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Do it, nerd. Yeah, give them a name. That is not what I say regularly around the office. Just do it, nerd. Yeah, it is. I I bully people that way. I have a couple more in case people need thinking time. So I have an idea, and that, now granted, it's stupid, and it probably does not surprise anyone, which is Hoffman has named all of his riot breakers, Aww. and all of his guardians, and all, like, they, he's named every single one of them. Like, other people can't tell the difference, but he can. That, that's my, my little pet theory about minions. Oh, and every time he gets a report about ones that were broken down or destroyed in some sort of riot or, or whatnot, he just sheds a single tear. He has, yeah, yeah. He has, like, a desk drawer full of little bits of metal, because he keeps a piece of each one of them with, like, a name tag on it. Oh. Oh. Haha, play with your feelings. Why would you do this to me? I'm good at it. I think. You are, you're pretty good at it. You're pretty good at it. Better than like a really weird cemetery situation in the back lot of the (laughs) Guild Enclave. (laughs) He sings happy birthday to them. Oh god, no. They go on, that they start duty. Ow. Let's just turn them into Mars rovers. This is what it is. <clears throat> okay. Um, um. Oh. I was just gonna go into the other ones I just thought of because. Well, I've 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 got one. Okay, go ahead. Like the shield bearers, I see them all as being like the the three of them as being like bestest buddies, and when they get bored, they just like put a helmet on and charge at each other right into their shields to test them. <laughs> significant lack of brain cells in that group but it's great. They're very enthusiastic. That's some South Wales borders uh, energy right there. (laughs) They share a single brain cell and that brain cell says this will be fun. I think the shield bearers uh, juxtapose or just like you wouldn't expect this, obviously, because they're with Reva. Reva's all about fire. But I feel like the Shield Bearers have their own amateur hockey team. <laughs> field hockey. Oh, I could, yeah, I can do field hockey. This idea of somewhere there being an ice rink underneath Malifaux. <laughs> Might have to put that in my game. The ice rink under Malifaux where the Shield yes. Bearers play hockey. Yeah. I mean, there'll, there'll be other teams that show up. Maybe there's Just like, various uh, other minion groups that have a field hockey, that like, have a nice hockey team. Like like Rasputina's beach volleyball team. Yeah. Sports sports are important. Sports. <laughs> or something. Uh, I guess before we move on, the other ones I thought of, and I, I, I hate saying this, but the person with arguably the most characterful minions <laughs> is Nelly. <laughs> Uh, cause it's very, it was very easy to name all of, it's all of her minions. Argument. But, yeah. Uh, so I've got something f- 
for each of them. One of them is the false witnesses always have like a poker knot, a la the other masters of the guild, but they're actually like really, really good at it, obviously. But while they're having this poker night, they will talk and, and joke about all the, you know, lies they've told and all the people they've gotten into jail and hung because of it. So it's got really dark humor with it. Next up would be the field reporters who all, they don't, they work together as a team and they get into extremely dangerous situations where they all survived using different methods. Uh, the one that's actually like taking a picture is you're just very confident and agile and able to like avoid danger. Um, just through physical prowess. The one that's standing upright has just a, I'm an objective observer. Do not fuck with me. I'm just doing my job. And she just kind of spooks people away from causing her harm. The one that's checking her bag very much Mr. Magoo's her way uh, out of danger by just accidentally stumbling and avoid having her head cut off and shit like that. Um, and then the Newsies are like the most serious group of children you've ever fucking met because they are doing this job so they can learn how to read. And they don't want to... Even the Krilligans are like, whoa, chill out. Reading is very, very important to them. <laughs> I also feel like Nelly's not the one actually teaching them. I feel like that's Dade's job. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Nelly's too busy being crazy nowadays. Just about to be like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm we don't want Nelly... Like, absolutely, Allison Dade is teaching them how to read. We don't want Nelly, Nelly teaching the Newsies how to I'm read. I'm not even sure Nelly knows she has Newsies. <laughs> Oh, oh, that uh, that would be kind of me. Well, admittedly, this is still the time where like illiteracy is a relatively common thing. But I picture the classroom being this, you know, a bunch of small children desks and a bunch of children writing furiously on slates and whatnot. And then there's Fiona just smashed into one of these desks, <laughs> do just rapt attention. She never thought she'd have the opportunity to learn how to read, and she's just enjoying en enjoying the ever loving shit out of it. No. I, I'm I'm done rambling about my question. Thank you very much for putting up with that. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, we're actually gonna make that the last topic tonight because uh, <clears throat> last topic is a twofer question here. Um, who could be a competitive cuddler, cuddler, and who is a human furnace, and who is the one with cold feet? Nellie is a little furnace box with cold feet. This is why she's gonna die alone. <laughs> That's for you, Douglas. <laughs> you just you, if you have the device that actually like scans temperature, you look at her, and it just gets brighter the further up you go. The top of her head is actually the hottest <laughs> part of her body. Hot air rises. Ugh. <laughs> see what you're doing there. I don't appreciate I, it, but I see it. I think <laughs> LJ is a shockingly good snuggler. She doesn't have to worry about, you know, it being too dark to really see what you're doing, because she's always in the dark, right? What are... <laughs> what what are you imagining cuddling? Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, you said competitive cuddling. more complicated than it is. I was just thinking about her being considerate. Oh! <laughs> I'm over here like, what What do you she's think happens? like, the, the, the also... 
No, go go ahead, Monica. Sorry, it's just a lag being messy. Oh, I'm LJ Big Spoon Sonya, the world's coldest beef. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's smoker circulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was going to assume it was due to a lack of a soul, but also that, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Mm. Whose whose question was this? I think it was mine. Okay. I think I'm the one who put this question on the dock. Have we ever explained our idea of competitive cuddling to people? <laughs> no. I don't think we. T- I don't think we've talked about what. I think it was one of our many jokes that got out of hand. <laughs> Where we were trying to decide what would be an interesting uh, sports anime. Where you have two rivals that, you know, everyone wants to make them kiss, but they hate each other. And the idea came around to competitive cuddling, which would literally force them to cuddle each other, even though they hate each other. And that got into, because it's a sports, it's an anime, it's a sports anime, it's got to be, like, way too extreme for how the sport is actually supposed to be. So I'm thinking, like, you have to cuddle someone in the middle of a volcano and other bullshit like that. <laughs> so that, that's the origin of the question, I think. Yeah, that. <laughs> I have to explain it. I guess you kind of get the idea of what competitive cuddling is if you just hear it out of the blue, but... Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I think Karis well, has cold feet. And we'll go with Argonus. Welcome because to the fire ladies have cold feet, huh? Obviously. Why else do they learn fire magic in the first place? They are always <laughs> fucking cold. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's that. And not just the uh, constant rage coursing through their bodies. Uh, I mean, Karis is at least, like, in good shape. Yeah, true. Who's who's the human furnace in the Arcanists, then? Pardon me. Bless you. I want to uh, say raps, Raspy just because. <laughs> I was actually going to suggest Mayfang. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is a really hard one for my faction, given how many of the characters are dead. Um, I mean, if magic can keep them alive, magic can make them warm. Or are you saying dead people can't cuddle? I'm saying dead people kind of have a tendency to even out at room temperature. Um, so, so who's residing in the warmest environment, then? I feel like this this feels like a cop-out, but I'm going to go ahead and say Reva is really warm all the time. She is just absolutely sweating to death in those robes. Um, Especially after the Burning Man's corruption. But who's she snuggling? Who's got Um, cold feet? Oh, um... Asura. Oh, okay. That's fair. I need to come up with more lore for her. I feel like she doesn't get enough attention. Yeah, yeah. Was that the last question, I think? Yeah, this is the last question in the doobly-doo. Um, but best cuddler and resurrectionist, I don't I don't think that's, um, Reva. Uh, Dark Horse Castor. 
Winker Twonk version. I hate the way you worded that. Uh, Twonk. Okay. It's so full of delicious blood, he's gotta be super warm. You got the hugging arms. (laughs) And if you want to get if you want to get really intense, he's got the wings also. Ooh. Ooh, that's oh that's that's advanced cuddling. That's that's why he's in the pro division. The pro circuit of cuddling. <laughs> really enough, if you don't know what he does, I feel like Dougie would actually be a pretty good cuddler. You have to not know like his backstory though. Don't agree. He's he's got too much going on in his head at all times. I feel like that would I feel like that would make for a Okay. He's a very uh, fidgety cuddler. Yeah. yeah. I ha- I have a better suggestion for the cuddler. Oh. Well. Chicken Nugget Man is like m- like 90% soft peat. I I suppose that would really depend on your tolerance for Moistness. Gwil seems like a very moist guy. (laughs) Just constantly. Okay, dependent on your tolerance for moistness, he could be a really great cuddler. Sound fair? Sure. I think our our counterparts are dying. Well, I know Monica's having lag issues. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else. Um, I say something, and then you do it like thirty seconds later. So that sucks. I'm good to call it here now. Then, yeah, I think that was the last topic on the notes, and I don't think we have anyone else who we feel would be good with cuddles. So we will call the wholesome episode of Malifaux Port Authority completed. It's going to be a while before you hear us get off of spicy stuff, because um, we've pent it all up during this episode. we got to let it out somewhere. It was really difficult. <laughs> Very difficult. You okay, Doug? No. So, yeah. Uh, s- signing off, then. Uh, this is Victoria. Thank you, Monica, for being on, even with the lag issues. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Hope it's not a pain in the butt to edit. <laughs> and that's not my job. Pleasure. <laughs> pleasure having me on as always. Yeah, also technical issues. Yes, but hey, it's just what's a podcast about it? This is such a scuffed podcast. Uh, thank you, Doug, for putting up with me. I'm sorry. I, All I of us. I, I said I wasn't going to talk, and then I talked. I'll, I'll <laughs> learn. I'll do it next time, I promise. <laughs> now you won't, and it's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, from there, good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, I still don't have a tagline, so just cut it off. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks, bye. <laughs>
Songs used in this production are Mystery Sax and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.